Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone. I'm Howard David. He is Tim Roy, the voice of the Golden State Warriors. For what now, Tim? About 25 years? Oh, no. This will be my 29th with the Warriors upcoming. It'll be my 35th in the league. So crazy. I'm just so lucky to do what I do. Yeah, we all can say that about uh, the broadcasting business. It's better than working. <laughs> yes, no question. Although it gets to a point, I'll give you an example. When I'm doing the then New Jersey Nets and we're playing a game in Utah during the Malone Stockton era. And at halftime, the Nets are getting blown out by like 35. Okay. I'm working the road games solo. So I'm figuring, well, what am I going to do to keep this audience? I look across the court and there's the owner of the Utah Jazz, um, Larry Miller, who was a big card dealer in the state of Utah. Of course. He's eating everything that's available, popcorn, <laughs> nachos, you name it. So I started doing play-by-play of his eating. And the people around me are getting a big kick out of this. The Utah Jazz fans, they feel good because their team's winning big. <laughs> they got something else to listen to. Well, I come home after the road trip, and I figure I'm going to hear it. I walk to the offices of the Nets, and the president of the organization, Bob Cassiola, at the time, stopped me and he said, hey, enjoyed the broadcast the other night from Utah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, have you ever run into a situation where, I'm sure you've worked games solo, right? Oh, yeah. yeah I did for years. For years, I worked solo. Yeah. On radio, that's a, it's almost a little bit easier working solo because you get into your own rhythm and, and you don't have to, you know, kind of carve out that space that the analyst needs. So uh, I enjoyed it during solo, actually. Well, now you've yeah. got a warrior team that's won, what, four titles in the last eight years, uh, coming off the season where uh, you knock off Sacramento, and then you run into the Lakers, and most people thought the Warriors would win that series, including you, probably. Uh, and the Lakers wound up winning that series and then getting – beaten soundly by the uh, Denver Nuggets in the next round. What went wrong in that series against the Lakers? They're not a great matchup for the Warriors. They don't have the length and the size that the Lakers have. And so Anthony Davis is a problem for Golden State. When he plays well against the Warriors, it's hard to beat the Lakers with LeBron alongside. And I thought the Lakers were kind of peaking at that point. They, they were getting a lot out of their bench people. And, uh, you know, Denver was just ready for them. Denver had the confidence. They had the 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 hunger, if you will. And so I thought Denver was ready. But the Lakers always have been a, a tough matchup for the Warriors. And I think there were some obvious chemistry issues with Golden State last year. And I think that caught up with them in the Lakers series. And let's face it, that they... 
you know, they had to go to a game seven in Sacramento and Steph Curry put on one of the best performances we've ever seen in this league. In that game seven, he would not let the Warriors lose. So, you know, there were some things that they needed to fix after that Lakers series. And I think they've gone about it pretty well in the offseason. I'm a big fan of your head coach, Steve Kerr. Uh, I remember him as far back as when he played at San Antonio. And I got into a conversation one night and um, he heard my name. He goes, oh, you're the guy that does Monday night football on the radio. I said, right. <laughs> and he's a big football fan, as you know. So we talked football for like 20 minutes before uh, he started going into his workout. Uh, so, so I became a big fan from Steve Kerr, just, just watching the way he conducts himself. He's the consummate professional. Tell me something about Steve Kerr that we don't know. He was a ball boy for John Wooden in oh. L.A. at UCLA. And that's where he fell in love with basketball and, and was a huge you know, UCLA fan. Grew up a Dodger fan. He's still a Dodger fan. Um, he is a Southern California kid through and through. I think he still has his house outside of San Diego. And as you said, he's a huge sports fan. You know, you can talk, you know, uh, uh, b- baseball and football with him. He's a soccer fan. He loves Liverpool because of Mo Salah. He has a connection with Mo Salah because Steve was actually born in Egypt. His dad was a a uh, academic, academic person who was overseas running universities, American universities in the Middle East. Unfortunately, that's where he died. He was assassinated. But Steve was born in Egypt, so he has his kinship with Mo Salah and Liverpool. And so he's he's probably the most well-rounded NBA coach I've ever met because, you know, you might hear him talk about the latest book he's reading or the latest documentary he's seen. And so he's 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 a very uh, deep man. He doesn't need basketball. I think as much as he needs the competition, he loves to compete. He's always been a competitor and that's why he became a good NBA player for years because he competed. He didn't have the high flying uh, aspect to his game. He didn't have the incredible quickness to his game, but his competition level has never uh, get gone away. And I think that's why eventually, you know, after a couple of decades doing TV, he decided to become a head coach because he missed the competition. Uh, talking with uh, Tim Roy, the longtime radio voice of the Golden State Warriors. I remember having a conversation with Steve before a game, uh, and I said, I got a hard question for you. He says, go ahead, hit me. I said, what, what, what do you have to do to control Draymond Green? <laughs> so he started to laugh. He said, look, I know Draymond, uh, you know, has got a, a reputa- reputation. He said, but. I want to go to battle with a guy like Draymond Green. And, and you know, and, and look, he's defending his player. I get it. But I think he was telling me the truth. Uh, you know, Draymond is now re-up, what, for four years? Draymond's under contract, yeah. They signed a four-year deal. I think it was at a, a pretty good price, you know, if you can to say that's a good price in, in today's market. But um, let me give you an example of Draymond and why you love having him around. We had a, a game that we, the Warriors were either down one or was tied. I can't remember. It was against Memphis this past year. And the ball goes out of bounds. Golden State ball underneath the basket. Two seconds to go in the game. Draymond calls an out-of-bounds play that they have not run in months. 
They haven't run this in months. But he looked at the situation, the personnel, called this out-of-bounds play, and what happens? They get a back screen, Poole gets a layup, and the Warriors win at the buzzer. And that's all because Draymond has this ability to see what's ha- on the, uh, happening on the floor, look at the personnel, what's happening on the floor, and kind of figure things out. He's a really smart guy. He's much smarter than people know because all they see is him, you know, getting all amped up on the floor and, and you know, his histrionics and so forth. But he's an incredibly smart guy and, and is also – Along with Andre Iguodala, two of the smartest basketball players I've ever I've ever met. If he's oh so smart, Tim, then he doesn't he need to have better self control and stop getting all these technical fouls that he gets. Well, again, uh, you kind of like Steve Kerr, that competitive fire that Draymond has makes him the special player that he is. Uh, you take away the fire, then I think you don't have the same player. Uh, so you have to kind of live with some of that. And and they have, you know, successfully for, for the most part in, in the course of his career. He's again, he's he's a guy that, that I think becomes better than who he is because of that competitive fire. And it's also let's face it with the, the team the Warriors have had. You know, you've got Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. Neither one of those guys are overly demonstrative, overly vocal. So with this group, Draymond's that piece to the puzzle that kind of makes everything all work. Let me ask you about um, the Jordan Poole trade for Chris Paul. Uh, you know, there's stories flying around that Jordan Poole and Draymond did not get along. Is that fact or fiction? I think there's. I think that Draymond did everything he could to try to repair that relationship. I just think Poole was on a different, maybe agenda, maybe uh, than than the rest of the squad. I think he just had a really tough second year. I think people were ready for him this year. They weren't ready for him the year before, and he had a great run, which helped the Warriors. You know, without Jordan Poole, they don't win that championship last year. So I don't know if it was much of a as anybody not getting along he's a sweetheart of a guy he really is but i just think he he didn't fit with what they were trying to do and i think but the other part about it is they gave him that contract at the beginning of the year right and he deserved that he had a great 21 22 then the cba changed so anytime you see an nba contract people always try to make it out player for player but it's really contract for contract. So in this case, Jordan Poole's contract had a lot of money on, you know, coming his way. And he's he's deserved that. But that money, if you re-sign Draymond and re-sign Clay, that money's going to put you into the second apron of this new collective bargaining agreement. And the penalties there are draconian. You lose your draft picks. You can't make moves. And so you have to stay away from that second apron. And so the Warriors, by trading Jordan Poole's contract, ensured that they could re-sign Draymond, stay under that, and, and, and try to make one more run. And I think when you have a team that has championship potential, I never fault a team for pushing all their chips in. I think that's what you have to do. The whole thing about this is winning. And, and I think we kind of get lost sometimes with the, you know, Oh, this guy's going to go to this team or go to that team. You you ask yourself, is that going to make them a winning team? And so what the Warriors did with this trade, 
was not only uh, maybe bringing a guy that really wants a ring, and that's Chris Paul, and they also uh, trade a contract that frees them up to do other things, you know. And then now they got Dario Sharich in town. I think he's a good fit for them as well. So, so it it wasn't necessarily trading somebody who didn't get along, but more to kind of help yourself be more flexible down the road. Hey, Tim, let, let's talk about this Warrior team. Look, Chris Paul, we know he's he hasn't won a championship. He's very hungry. I get that. Terrific player. And if I need somebody to buy car insurance, I'm going to go to him. But <laughs> he's 38 years old. Okay, you look at you look at this Warrior team. Uh, there's, look, with success, uh, obviously, the, the age factor. Curry's 35. Draymond's 33. Klay Thompson's 33. Is there a concern about... Uh, is this uh, is this a make or break year, and then we break it up next year? How do you see it? I'm thinking it's it's George Allen all over again. The future is now, you know. And so, you know, get the uh, get the ice buckets out for after practice, and and let everybody soak. Um, I think the the cool thing about what they did was with in training for Paul, two things. One, he doesn't turn the ball over. And that's been a huge issue for Golden State the last couple of years. And number two, I think they can keep his minutes down so that he can be a more effective player. He doesn't have to play 38 minutes a night on this Warrior squad. You know, they've also got Corey Joseph who can also help. And maybe Chris can play off the ball and Steph can play off the ball. So I think what they've done is set themselves up so that they have – uh, enough guys to where they can play people at reasonable minutes to try to get them fresh for a postseason. Of course, barring any injury, every season's about injuries. But uh, if they can stay reasonably healthy, I think I I like what they did there because it's going to keep Steph's minutes down. Chris Paul's minutes will go down a little bit, and Joseph will have plenty of time to to do his thing on the floor to give those guys a break. And so. Um, I really, I really think that was the plan was, okay, we get a guy who's smart. Number one, that adds to your basketball IQ. He doesn't turn the ball over and he's Chris Paul. He knows how to run a team. And because if you look the, the two things that really hurt the Warriors last couple of seasons, turnovers and minutes without Steph, when Steph goes off the floor, the minutes were not good last year at all. And maybe the worst in, you know, to go back to maybe early in his career. So, uh, so they need, you know, when they were rolling and winning championships, you had Sean Livingston right there. You know, Steph goes off the floor. Sean Livingston gives you a completely different look. He's not going to turn the ball over. And he was a great facilitator for Golden State. And so now I think they have that piece back. And this time it's in a guy like Chris Paul, which I think is, is, is a wonderful addition. Yeah, it's good points, too. He's Tim Roy, the voice of the Warriors. Uh, the Denver Nuggets championship team. Uh, most people think they can do it again. Who's their biggest challenge in the West? Is it the Warriors? Wow. Uh, I'd like to think so, but but the, the West, again, is loaded. I mean, just inside the Warriors' own division, you've got Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And then you got De'Aaron Fox and uh, Sabonis. you got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, if they can stay healthy. you got Anthony Davis and LeBron James with L.A. So you got to play all those teams four times. So just inside that division, you know, you may have four teams that could challenge Denver in some way, shape, or form. But the thing with Denver is that, 
you have all these guys going into their primes. You know, Jokic is not in his prime. Murray's going into his prime. Uh, 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 Porter Jr. is he's not even close to his prime. I mean, so they're gonna they're gonna get not take a step back. I think I think they're gonna miss Brown. I think they're gonna miss him. He's a really mm. good piece, but. But I still think they're the they're team to beat, though. I think the West will have, you know, again, I think they will have some teams that will will give them a hard time. And, and you know, I'm really curious to see how good Utah is going to be this year, because they've got some really nice pieces there as well. The unknown factor is where is Damian Lillard going to play? Most people think he's going to go to the Miami Heat. He goes to the Miami Heat without a bio and Jimmy Buckets. That's a championship contender. Absolutely. By the way, I should mention also, too, that uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, I think, made a really shrewd move in getting Marcus Smart because he gives them that locker room guy that that team doesn't have. And and that's going to be a really big piece for them. He's going to be a nice leader for them. And they're really good. But, uh, yeah, Damian Lillard, it's you know, he's a he's a Bay Area kid. We love Damian. He grew up in Oakland. He used to sneak into Warrior games back in the day and 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 watch Antoine Jameson and Larry Hughes. And he uh, is just another in a long line of, of great East Bay players coming out of this area. But he has just. You know, I think he was as patient as you could have asked him to be in Portland. He loves Portland. He accepted it. They accepted him. And he has a bond with that fan base there. It's going to be hard for him to leave. But if he goes to Miami, as you said, that's a that's a team that you don't want to face even in the regular season, never mind the postseason. And if he goes to Miami, if Miami can figure out a way to get him there, and I think that's going to be a tough ask for them. But if they can figure out a way to get him there, then, you know, they are, I think, immediately the, t- the team to beat in the East. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's going to come easy, nor do I think it's going to be tomorrow. I think it's no. going to be a way before we see a, a solution because – uh, you know, Portland's in the driver's seat. I mean, they're going to want a, a bucket, two buckets, 10 buckets, a circus tent full of players to get a guy that can make a difference. So, you know, the yeah, owners, absolutely. How much, absolutely. Yeah. So, how much, how hard it's going to be to push I to mean, get this? It's got to be really hard because you're going to want, you're going to want assets and you're going to want picks. You're going to want some, some players are going to help you grow young players, and then you're going to want some draft picks to go with that to help you rebuild. So, and I don't know if Miami has enough of that on their own to make that happen. So I think they may have to get a third team involved. And, and, you know, if, if this would be a possible scenario for, for the Miami heat. So it's, you know, I think the, the one thing I tell people is that, you know, it's a league where uh, Kareem Abdul, Jabbar got traded. Wilk got traded twice. Oscar Robertson got traded. So anybody is fair game in this league. Yeah, and then we don't know the, the uh, where's the landing place of James Harden. Is he going to be back in Philadelphia? We don't really know. But uh, yeah, I mean- but the, think about this too, Howard. The, the somehow, some way, over the last say 10, 15, maybe twenty years, the NBA has figured out a way to keep us talking NBA all year long. You know, they they win the off season every year. We have a couple of scenarios like this, and it's great. You get to talk about, well, what if he goes there? What if he goes here? And it's 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 become a wrinkle in the in the NBA that that's fantastic. They just they just win the off season with all these moves that go on every year. 
Yeah, and we were concerned about where was Kyrie Irving going to be. Well, he's going to be back in Dallas. Right. Look, I'm an old school guy, Tim. Uh, I, I believe in loyalty. I think that you you win with continuity. Uh, James Harden asked out of Oklahoma City. He's asked out of Brooklyn. He's now he's asking out of Philadelphia. Uh, Kyrie Irving. We know we all know that whole scenario. Uh, look, I have great respect for Adam Silver. I think personal opinion that Adam Silver is the most effective commissioner in all of sports. Would you agree? I think so. I think he's been a wonderful uh, next chapter. I mean, replacing David Stern is incredibly hard. What a, a legend he was and what a great job he did to shepherd the league from a league that was in trouble. You know, basically the, the, you know, the finals were, remember you, we both remember watching the NBA finals at 1130 on a Friday night. And so to take the league to where it is today, it's a global phenomenon. The basketball is probably the second biggest sport in the world behind soccer. So uh, Adam, I think the one, great strength he has is that he doesn't just rule from new york he listens if players have problems players have issues they talk about he listens and tries to come up with a compromise solution and he listens to his owners i think the new cba is a is a perfect example of that so uh and again we're not talking about a strike or a lockout we're talking about a new CBA that's, you know, he makes it fair for everybody. The players are making money. The owners are making money. And I just think the the decisions he had to make, the, the Donald Sterling decision is your first decision, that cr- crisis, and it's plucked to you, you know, in the first months of your career. And he just nailed it. He nailed it right away and did the right thing. And it was, it was you know, from that moment on, I think everybody, players, owners, broadcasters, fans, I think had a lot of confidence in Adam Silver. Hey, Tim, what about this midseason tournament? Uh, the obvious question is, aren't they concerned about injuries in the middle of the season that could affect your team that's on a run for a championship? What's your feeling about the idea of the midseason tournament? Well, they're, they're going to count as part of the schedule. So I think I, I think if they keep it like that and make it part of the 82, then, you know, a guy could get hurt in Oklahoma City on a Wednesday night. So sure. I'm I'm old school. I don't, you know, midseason tournament. I'm not huge on that. But, you know, the, he thinks it's going to be good for the fans. And, and, and so I'm. I'm going to wait and see before I give my final verdict on it. But if it's exciting and the fans get into it and the players get into it, which I think is the big key, if the players, you know, I think their competition instincts will take over because I think they're going to say, well, we're, we don't want to go here and lose. Right. So I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how the players approach that. And, and, and again, I'm, I'm going to go wait and see it. It's not it from the outside in. It's not necessarily my cup of tea, but, but I'm old enough to know that, that uh, I can be wrong, you know? So, <laughs> so, so I will, uh, I will wait and see in, in how this plays out. And as long as they keep it to it, it's not a huge strain on the teams and the players Then I think, uh, I think they will be okay. Let me ask you this personally. You have two children, Zachary and Gabby. Yes. Which one is the bigger warrior fan and how much warrior conversation goes on at the dinner table in the Roy household? 
Well, they're they're out of the house. They're still on the payroll. So when I do see them, I think my my son is probably a bigger fan. He's a little closer geographically. Um, he's over in, in, in Sacramento working there. And, and my daughter's down south. My daughter has actually become a mighty Ducks fan. She has uh, gotten into hockey, which was the first sport I did. But uh, but they're both warrior fans. They both follow it. They both, you know, the coolest thing that's happened to me in my career is the fact that my kids got to be with me at the parades when we had the parades. And, and that, that to me, especially the first one we had in Oakland, we had over a million and a half people out for that thing. And, and it was just incredible. Uh, and to have them there for the parades, that was one of the highlights of my career. Uh, I, uh, I know Chris Mullen a little bit, more than a little bit. Uh, when I used to belong to this club on Long Island, uh, I walk into the club one day and somebody says, Hey, Chris Mullins out there hitting balls. So I said, really? <laughs> well, I went to the drive page and I said, Hey, Chris, he says, Hey, how are you doing there? I said, well, I'm a member of this club. I said, uh, do, are you here with somebody? He goes, no, I, I only live a mile down the road. And they, they said, I can come over here and hit balls anytime I want. I said, well, why don't you come on, come on, let's go play a little. So we went out and played some golf. We talked. We didn't talk golf at all for the three hours we played. It was right. all about the NBA. It was all about the Warriors. And help me out with the third member. It was Mitch Richmond, Chris Mullen, and who's the third? Tim Hardaway. Hardaway, right. Run Logan. TMC. TMC, right. That, I, I thought that was a great team, but, man, look what the Warriors have done in winning championships. And I'll bet, even to this day, they're uh, coaches and athletic directors in the ACC we let Steph Curry get away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if I was an athletic director and I saw Davidson play and I saw Curry play, I would go to my coach going, why weren't we recruiting this kid? What, what, you know, what did you not see? Everybody looked at him body wise and said, no, nah, he's not going to be able to play. He's not big enough. He's not strong enough. And he was just a kind of a late bloomer that way. And even, even in his NBA career, Howard, if you go back and look at his rookie year and look at the body he has now, he's stronger and quicker now than he was when he came to us. So he's really bought into the nutrition and the, the science of it all. He takes about maybe a week and a half, two weeks off, and then he's back training again. So uh, what people don't understand about the great players in the NBA is how much work goes into it. I remember when, when the Warriors had Kevin Durant, we'd be on the road and we'd roll in for practice and KD and two coaches were already there. He already had a full lather up before we practiced because he wanted to get his shots in early and then after practice, get back to the hotel. So he, you know, was a, a incredibly hard worker. Steph is the same way. He doesn't leave the gym until he makes a certain amount of shots after practice. Clay Thompson, the same way, you know, people don't realize how much work, goes into the, the greatness that they, they see or, or listen to. Absolutely. Uh, and by the way, you don't want to play Steph Curry on the golf course because he'll take your money. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, no way. It's, it's a stroke a hole, pal. Stroke a hole. <laughs> hey, before I let you go, uh, I, when Del Curry was still playing and he was with Charlotte, and I see him at, 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 at an hour before the game, and I got into a conversation with him, and the Nets had a guy named Drazen Petrovic. Oh, yeah. The late Roger Petrovich. And I said to Del Curry, I said, are you the best three-point shooter in the league? He goes, no. I said, who is Reggie Miller? He goes, no. That guy right over there, and he's pointing to Drazen Petrovich. Yeah. And if I asked him that question now, he'd say his son. But right. uh, Drazen Petrovich was the hardest-working individual in any 
walk of life that I've ever seen. He would work for an hour before shoot around in the training room. You know what the Standmaster is, right? Right. He's on the Standmaster at the highest level 10 for 45 minutes. He, he <laughs> talked about soaking wet. He was soaking wet. He came to shoot around. Then he goes to shoot around. After, and I went to the mall and I'm sitting courtside. And Drazen comes over to me. He goes, Hey, can you hang around with me for a while? And I said, Why, What do you need? I need you to shag balls. And I said, No problem. So I sh- he shot threes easily for another 35 to 40 minutes. Right. And then. He goes back up to the gym and he's on the Stairmaster for another hour. And I, I'm, this guy's not even human. So when he, when he died, we were all in a golf tournament and, and Chuck Daly was coaching the Nets at the time. And the word came that Drazen was killed in a car accident. I mean, it, it was so stunning because this was one of the greatest human beings I've ever been around. And it was very sad. But here's the sad part. He's in the passenger seat with a seatbelt on. His girlfriend's driving the car. She doesn't have a seatbelt on. She lived. He didn't. Yeah, it's it's truly a shame and a, a real tragedy that we didn't get to see him blossom. He was a, a Hall of Famer. In my book, he was going to be a Hall of Famer. Um, he was, like Steph, he could shoot it off the dribble. And that separates the guy, you know, the 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 elite of the elites. And um, I was so impressed with him. I remember my I was doing a game, Sacramento and Portland, his rookie year, right at the end of his rookie year. And Rick Allen let the let the guys in the the bench play, and uh, and he had a great game. And I remember I talked to him after the game, and and he didn't have great English at that point, but you could just tell how much he wanted it. He was really, you know, he was really determined and I was just thrilled to see him play for the Nets. And it's, it's just, a, I'm still really not over that. If you know what I mean, I wish I could have sure. seen him play and, and, and grow. I'll tell you one story about Adele and Steph. I was told this by the guys in Toronto and there's an upper gym at the, the building there that the Raptors will practice at. And so when Dell was playing for the Raptors, Steph and Seth would go upstairs and shoot. And, and so the joke was that the, the, uh, the best shooters in Toronto were upstairs, you know, during the game, you know, practicing jump shots. And then they would come down and watch the end of the game. So it was always a little joke that they would say, well, the Raptors best shooters are upstairs. Now we're not going to win this game. You know? So it is pretty funny. Yeah. By the way, postscript to the, to Drazen, his English didn't get appreciably better. Uh, Nets go to Dallas. Hadn't beaten Dallas in Dallas in like 10 years. And this one particular night, they win. Drazen at 35. He was awesome. So I had him on the postgame show. And I said, you're aware of the fact of, of the, how many games the Nets had lost. He goes, oh, yeah. I said, but you had the biggest game of the season. Uh, what, was the, what was the cause? I mean, what, what inspired you? He goes, don't want to be on ESPN. <laughs> having lost again <laughs> it was concise it was to yeah. the point yeah, yeah a... uh, he was the best hey tim thanks a million man always great talking to you and you stay safe good luck this year take care howard have a great summer thanks he is tim roy longtime radio voice of the golden state warriors does a hell of a job otherwise he wouldn't still be doing it for 29 years which reminds me of uh uh, of a lot of great guys that I've met in the league, 
And there are a number of them, a lot of good guys in the league. Uh, you know, Neil Funk was with the Chicago Bulls, uh, no longer is there, but always enjoyed talking to him. I mean, you got to go all the way around the league. When I was with the Celtics, my partner, Cedric Maxwell, the old cornbread, uh, one of the beautiful four years of, of just a bunch of good stuff on the on the air, off the air, on the road trips. And uh, the team wasn't very good, but that was then. This is now. They are very good. And, yeah, they gave up Marcus Smart uh, to get Porzingis. I think it'll work out in the Celtics' favor. And it's not to discredit Marcus Smart because he's a terrific defensive player, maybe the best defensive guard there is in the NBA. But got to give up something to get something. The old adage, right? He was uh, and is an outstanding defensive player and will make a difference for Memphis. As for Porzingis, uh, he just signed, I think, a two-year extension. So all of that goes well. Uh, Appreciate your time. You stay safe. Thanks for being a part of Howard David Live as we have taken another bite of the Big Apple. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.